Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 203 is Chris Smith. Welcome to Sound of Play, Chris. Thank you for having me, Leon. Cheers. Your Twitter bio describes you as co-host of the Retro Collect and Maximum Power Up podcasts, a video game historian like myself, and a progressive liberal nerd. Excellent. Yeah, You should find yourself at home on here. Yeah, I think that when I'm listening as well, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, these guys are like me. That's fine. <laughs> I can listen to them guilt-free. It's great. 
Yeah. Welcome along. Um, so, yes, uh, we'll talk a bit about your uh, your own podcasting endeavours as we go along. Um, uh, I'd be lying if I said I was uh, familiar with your back catalogue, but now I'm looking and I'm thinking I should probably get familiar with it because you've had some fantastic guests on uh, on on your shows. Uh, yeah, Maximum Power Up yeah. in particular. Um, loads of names that are very familiar to me. Neil West, Gary Penn, uh, Steve Merritt, Andy uh, uh smith and and yeah and this is just in the last well uh i see you're on a hiatus at the moment this is from this is from sort of last year um, yes yeah, so this is um yeah so mostly paul who's one of my co-hosts he's um really 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 in with um with like videoing magazines from the past yes um as am i um but um yeah he's gone out and he's sort of done like a whole series where he's tried to catch up with pretty much everyone who's ever worked on things like Superplay, total mega yeah. um i can't remember the other ones gb action as well weird right. enough. um yeah. so yeah he's gone through trying to get through ev- absolutely everybody that he can he's had jazz Rino on there talking about me machines and awesome steve jarrett andy dyer so yeah i mean he's he's got a lot on there which is which is fantastic um so yeah, I mean, look, he has. I know he's been trying to get a hold of Frankie O'Connor. You know the yes. Halo Halo guy. Busy so with uh, yeah. Is he? Is he? He's still with Bungie, isn't he? So he's now. Oh no, he moved over to Microsoft when. Oh um, okay, he, he's at three. Split. He's at three yeah. four three. Is he? Oh okay, right. So okay, that'd be yeah. interesting. Actually, I have a Frankie O'Connor story. Actually, um, back in nineteen ninety two, do you remember the Future Entertainment show? Fez, yes, just yeah. about yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was there one year. I think maybe it's no, maybe it's ninety three. And when he was the editor of Total Magazine, I beat him in a in the first round of the Street Fighter Two tournament that they had oh. going on. That's my one 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 dice with um, you know celebrity there. And it's living uh, the dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, Frank O'Connor sort of went through a transformation because uh, like we knew him as a as a Scottish the, the Scottish lad with hair off of uh, Games Master and off of cmvg and stuff and then the next time we saw him he, he had no hair and he didn't sound scottish anymore <laughs> and no, it was like yeah. is that was the like, same that guy same yeah exactly. totally I said exactly the same thing i was like yeah. it can't be him surely and then you look him up and you're like, oh no yeah. it is him that's amazing <laughs> absolutely how was. is he now head of halo <laughs> yeah yes well halo back in the news a bit um people seem to be relatively optimistic about the the halo that's forthcoming uh after i think you know people were increasingly less enthusiastic about four and uh five yeah Uh, yes um (laughs) i've still i haven't even caught up with five yet um i I wouldn't it's okay you can skip it yeah it's on it's on game pass obviously um we, we might do it for the show because we've done all the others so it would be weird not to do it at some point but oh yeah yeah i get the feeling that maybe they're it's it's always a thing and it's something we talk about a lot on cana rinse and sound of players it's so much uh people put so much stall in the ip in the name of the franchise when really it's the creative talent that's the issue now i'm not saying because i definitely think there are some talented people at 343 but what made halo magic was bungie at that time and neither 343 nor bungie now have been able to really recreate that magic with any of their project you know projects since probably halo reach i would say i agree completely yeah i mean halo reach was was my last halo that i really enjoyed yeah probably the last bungie game that i absolutely adored yeah i I have played destiny one and two quite a bit but not 
to the extent I would play Halo, you know, Reach and ODST yeah. before it. So. Mm-hmm. Looking um, forward to Reach coming to the Master Chief collection anyway. Oh, yeah, that's getting added, yeah. Without the Master Chief in it, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, they did ODST, and I suppose once they did ODST, they were basically saying this is a Halo. Uh, oh, a Halo. I forgot that was on there as well. Yeah, yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so you mentioned GB Action back there. Well, we've actually opened the show with a Game Boy track, which is always fun. Uh, I've been listening to some Game Boy music this week while playing Donkey Kong in preparation for our Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 94 show. Uh, but, yeah, that little little chip with its uh, stereo output could do some amazing things, especially in the hands of the likes of Kazumi Totaka. So why did you pick in particular Star Maze for us? So, yeah, I'm a massive Game Boy fan. I mean, it's probably my system of choice. Um, you know, if, if you would oh, say, nice. oh, which one is your favorite system? It would be the Game Boy. Mostly just I wish I'd given you a call memories. for our Game Boy podcast now that we did a few months ago because we were. Oh, I love that one, by the way. Yeah, oh, great episode. you um, should have joined us for it. But uh, I didn't. I was know. there talking along in the background. Yeah, of course. So, you were, for sure. <laughs> Sorry know, like to interrupt. Meme, I just, you know, the meme you've got um, there is with the people yeah. sitting there listening to a speaker. Yes. And you're like, as if you're friends. Yeah. That was what it was like listening to the Game Boy one. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to fill in the blanks as well i'm sure you could have brought something along but as always like it's so hard to it's uh, you know uh, this sounds like a sort of terrible humble brag but when you've got a decent amount of listeners it's hard to know like who's you know you don't always know until after the fact who you should have got on the show for a particular subject sounds like we should have got you on for that one anyway i apologize and i also apologize for derailing you so carry on (laughs) that's cool um yeah so um like i said game boy is like hands down probably my all-time favorite system but one of the things I loved about it was just how I could take it with me, but sometimes not even play a game. So I, you know, as a kid, I would put the Game Boy like in my rucksack yeah. on the way to school, mm. put my headphones on, and then just leave a level playing. Nice. So um, yeah. and this was one of the games I would do that with. Um, yeah. So I would just listen. I'd get, get to the Star Maze, <clears throat> wait at the beginning of the level, just stand there and just listen to the listen to the song as I was walking to school in the morning. Um, it's just one of those songs that was really it's really upbeat. And it's got it's got some really great dips and highs of the song, and ah, oh, I, I, it brings me so much joy when I listen to it. That's why I had to include it. So it was really hard actually trying to choose five songs that yes. I really liked. It's part because, of the challenge. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, which ones am I going to choose? I can't choose Donkey Kong Country stuff because that's already been a whole episode. So I was like, I can't do that. So, <laughs> so yeah, and I was like, okay, no, Star Maze. I'm going to start with because that is my absolute favorite Game Boy song, like hands down. And yeah, and I love the fact that the game itself was just like this miniature little Super Mario, uh, Super Mario world. Yeah, you know, it was like yeah. it had the same sort of graphical style and mm. loads of little secrets, plus the overworld map as well of the Super Mario World series. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> well, I'll definitely bear you in mind. We we've always said because we covered the the core Mario series on Kane and Rince a few years ago, but we didn't go for the we didn't go down the handheld route and the we were going to do land and then six golden coins and then sort of segue into the the Wario games and then do the the 3D land and 3D world as well and all that. But uh, if we ever do pick that back up, I'll be sure to give you a shout for the at least for the for the Super Mario Land two six golden coins show. Cool. Yeah, uh, no, that'd be great. Yeah, did that? Did that not have um, time limits on the levels? Did they got rid of those at that point then? No, they were there. So you would actually oh. you'd only have. But <laughs> the thing is, the, the time the time limit is the length of the song. Ah, so right. you would be able Perfect. to listen to it. And then it would be mm. like, dun, 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 as you die. 
And yeah. <laughs> I remember doing a similar thing when I was much, much older than you would have been then. But uh, I bought the GBA game Ninja Cop or Ninja Five O, which oh, is yeah. a yeah, a bit of a, a sort of cult classic. Um, so kind of cross between Shinobi and Bionic Commando, uh, and uh, yeah, I remember buying that one day, and I couldn't get home for a while, and uh, and uh, yeah, I just ended up sticking the uh, sticking my headphones in and listening to the music <laughs> rather than playing the game. That's got so, a great soundtrack. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm. Yeah, we should. Uh, that's another game we should cover at some point. Yeah, uh, if you can, you'd have to like try and get um, the, everyone to up their Patreon. So that everyone can afford to buy a copy of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or play it via emulation. But yeah, it never yeah. got released. I, I paid thirty quid for it at the time, and I think I probably sold it for about thirty quid. But I kind of wish I hadn't now because it's rare. It's yeah. rare. Mm. I feel that burn. Now uh, we've also got interspersed with Chris's picks. We've got some of your picks from the community. And uh, there's a bit overall, not exclusively, but we've got a bit of a chip tune kind of theme today. Uh, and then we've also got a bit of a Namco theme towards the end of the show. But uh, the first track from the community is actually a very recent one. And it's from Delta Rune. It's been requested by more than one person, this track. So let's first hear from Mauricio MM, who says Toby Fox is unexpectedly but welcomingly back and fortunately, his new tunes are as catchy and memorable as before, among them this one. I'm glad that not only these new themes have the characteristic Undertale sound, but that, just like Delta Rune itself, they also have their own personality that helps refresh the formula in a subtle enough way. And we also had a request for the same tune from our friend Maya, the stunt lady, who says, Fellow listeners of Kana Rinse and Sound of Play will know my endless love of Undertale. It's no surprise then that on Halloween last year, I was floored to discover new content from this series, Deltarune Chapter 1. To put it as succinctly as possible, Toby Fox pulls out all the stops yet again, ranging from goofy, silly chip tunes to full-on epic arrangements. Deltarune's music closely follows Undertale's main themes while adding its own style and flair. It's a much shorter game and therefore has a smaller selection of music, but what it offers is both memorable and effective, and in keeping with the tone of the game, it also feels much darker and more dreamlike. Field of Hopes and Dreams is a great entry point to the rest of the game's soundtrack. It introduces the overall melody that the rest of the music riffs off of. It's upbeat and fun and helps drive the gameplay forward. I'll also add as a side note that I recommend listening with headphones as you'll be able to really pick up on the many layers and nuances to this track. As always, we recommend listening to Sound of Play with headphones and enjoy Field of Hopes and Dreams by Toby Fox.
from Deltarune, the first part of it anyway, which came out on PC and Mac and PS4 and Switch. Not sure it's on Xbox One or not yet. It came out last year. Don't know what's next. We covered Undertale, though, on Kano Rinse Podcast issue 256. Now, more chippy tunes, more Game Boy stuff. This is one we featured before, but we're always happy to play it again. And I'm interested to hear what Chris, uh, my guest for this sound of play, uh, what memories you have of Robocop on the Game Boy and this piece of music. So, yeah, um, this this piece of music I chose mostly because I think it's probably the greatest piece of video game music wow. <laughs> of all time. That's, um, that's a big that's a big shout. It's but it's there's there's so much. I don't know when I listen to it, I get a lot of emotion from it. Yeah, you know, when it's because it's so slow and uh, there's a lot of melancholy in it, and you're like, wow, this is just this is really this is too good for the game that it's on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like, um, but I mean, the thing is, I was ten. I think this came out as when was it 1990? I'm pretty sure it came out that yeah. Christmas. Yes, because I, I I think my dad bought it for me for Christmas that year, and. Um, <clears throat> Because for some reason he thought I was a big Robocop fan, even though I was terrified of the movie because I was 10 at the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. My dad made me watch it and I was like, I can't ever watch that Dude. again. Dad. And he was like, God, it's that Robocop that in the game. Boy. <laughs> that was an 18. Yeah, I know. Man. My dad was very irresponsible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I got the game for Christmas and I wasn't expecting anything of it. I think I left it like in the wrapper and everything for a good three weeks or so. Wow. That's um, just because incredible like, oh, restraint. Yeah, but um, the thing is, I had, you know, I, I obviously I've played games for a long time, so I just assumed that it was a licensed game promotion. It was going to be quite harmful to my health. So <laughs> I, so then, um, but then I, you know, one day I just sort of thought, oh, I'll open it, give this a go, see what it's like, and if I don't like it, I'll just take it down to my my local game shop. Um, and then I put it in, and while I was waiting, um, I put the Game Boy down, and then the theme music just came in, and I was like, wow, this is this is brilliant. And I just left it playing and I was like, okay, right. Turn off the Game Boy, turn it back on again, play the song again. And I just kept doing that for ages until my brother came over and was like, why don't you just play the game? Cause that song's really annoying me now. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. We'll play the game, play the game for about an hour. Couldn't beat the second level. And I was just like, oh, you know what? I don't like this game at all. But I love this song. <laughs> I love this song so much. Um, and yeah, so from then it would just be one of those things that I would just put in, then plug the Game Boy into the um, stereo and then just play the play yes. the music through the yeah. stereo via the Game Boy. And when you did that, the sound quality of the Game Boy and stereo sound back then, you know, you're talking like really lo-fi um, stereo system back in the, yeah. in the early 90s. Um, but the sound quality was incredible coming out of that Game Boy. It really was good. Mm. Um, so it was much better than it was like coming off the cassette. So yeah, I, I really yeah. enjoyed listening to that over and over. Sadly, I have no love for the game at oh. all. I do remember seeing the um, Ariston advert as well. I was going to ask you if you if you were lucky enough to to see that ad. Uh, for those who don't know, who didn't listen to Sound of Play last time we talked about this, yeah, somebody at an advertising agency in the UK, I think in the UK, had obviously played uh, Game Boy uh, Robocop. Uh, I mean. It should be said the Robocop game across all formats sold an extraordinary amount of copies. It was number one in the in the computer game software charts for about two years or something. It was it was ridiculous. And I, I assume the Game Boy uh, version sold a lot as well. And somebody obviously at, at yeah whichever advertising agency was working for Ariston had that contract at the time thought, you know, what would be good? 
they always had this kind of uh, Ariston had this sort of uh, brand that was this kind of slightly odd science tinged slightly weird sort of thing and and yeah they decided to license the tune from game boy robocop which was yeah uh a strange moment it's on youtube if you want to check it out oh um, cool i didn't know that i think it is yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. it is yeah because um I, i'd had no idea who ariston were before that advert no and it was only after that that i sort of became aware of them like via the juventus shirt as well oh like, yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like oh they're the robocop music theater guys yeah yeah i know who they are <laughs> if only juventus had started to walk out to the robocop Game Boy music. That would have been an incredible way to come out. It? <laughs> Everyone's just feeling really sad down. in the stadium going, oh my God, this music's so sad. Why? <laughs> yeah, perhaps it doesn't set the right tone. <laughs> we'll let you be the judge, listeners. This is Jonathan Dunn's Robocop theme from the Game Boy.
the title theme. Nothing to do with the movie or Basil Polidoris's music from the classic Paul Verhoeven dark sci-fi cyberpunk satire. Uh, but yeah, that game, even though that movie was definitely aimed at adults, uh, it was full of swearing and extreme violence, uh, a satire though it was. Uh, loads and loads of kids obviously wanted to be Robocop and uh, and bought that game and punched their way along. I played the coin-op recently, which was similar ostensibly to the home versions, but slightly different. Data East made it. Uh, it was... Uh, it was, yeah, same basic side-scrolling kind of shoot 'em up. Um, not a classic, but I have fond memories of the um, the sound samples and all that kind of thing. And the the presentation made me think of the film that I loved. So, um, yeah, the arcade one was fantastic. I spent a lot of money on that in the arcade, like later on in my life um, when I found it. But yeah, that was that was really good. Just because of the sprites, I loved the sprites in that game. Yeah. Good scratch and good good sound, yeah, for sure. Next up, we have something a little, uh, again, a bit chippy, but again, contemporary chippy. So this is requested by Gingertastic01, who says, Octahedron is a game I came across through Digital Foundry. John Lineman had done a small piece on it during one of his videos, and it looked bonkers and interesting. Looking for a new platformer, I took the plunge and was so pleased I did. It's a damn good video game. Maybe pushing it a little bit as this track is a whopping seven minutes long and it might not be to everyone's taste. However, when you are playing through the game and the level is pulsating to the beat and you're pushing to finish the level with all those pesky collectibles, it's really something. Anyone who enjoyed Celeste will no doubt enjoy this. Well, yeah, we don't mind a long track. We'll have a little break and listen to Chipzel and Valor from Octahedron.
Octahedron was a game that came out last year for PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One and Switch. Came out, uh, released by Square Enix. Yeah. Um, I haven't played it and I wasn't familiar with it, but I am interested. It looks pretty cool. Do you know Octahedron at all? It's uh, no shame if you don't. It's relatively obscure, I would say. It's on my watch list on okay. Steam and uh, and uh, Switch. So it's one of those things that I am waiting for um, mm. because I love Chip Cell as an artist. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. She's cool. Um, yeah. Yes, definitely uh, one of the the four, uh, the proponents at the forefront of modern chip tunes. Yeah, always welcome. So thanks for that request, Gingertastic. Now, Chris, next up, we have something also more modern from you, less chip tuny, more contemporary JRPG. Although this is actually this game is now getting on a few years old. In I mean, it came out in Japan in 2016, and it's come out over here. What in the last sort of couple of years? Yeah. Uh, East Eight. Now, this um, this is this long-running series of East games. I've never played one. Never played one in the series at all. Been familiar of the name since the 16-bit days, and of course. I'm sure you had the same thing. I, I hope you did. Reading it in the magazines back in the day, you had no idea how to pronounce it. Ooh, no, uh, no. Everyone called it was. Everyone thought it was wise or something, but uh, no, it's apparently it is East. Uh, but it seems to be that this eighth, <laughs> eighth numbered instalment. I think there's actually loads more than eight, aren't there, in the series? Yeah. Um, this is the one that people really, really seem to dig. It seemed to have a bit of a crossover hit. So obviously, you you love your your retro games and stuff. Were you invested in the series coming to this one, or are you one of the people who has had to wait until the late 2010s to be won over by Nihon Falcom's series? Well, I was lucky, luckily enough to, uh, to know someone as a kid um, who had um, a PC engine and a oh, wow. CD Super cool. um, that he imported from America. <clears throat> oh, the Turbo Graphics, sorry, as it was known. Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, um, he bought Easebook 1 and 2, or as we called it, Wisebook 1 and 2. <laughs> Nice, and we just thought, you know, it did look like that as a kid. So we were, you know, like it was Ryu rather than Ryu. You know? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, we we he bought this and we we played it and we were, it was a bit rough the first two games because it was more like um, sort of American football combat. You know, you're just running oh. into people and huh. knocking people away. There's no like attack button or anything. There isn't the remakes that they've made of the first two games, but not in the original. Mm. Mm-hmm. but the biggest thing about it like most pc engine cd games were the soundtrack but both games were just unbelievable they were like listening to an anime <laughs> yeah yeah you know, you know they had the amazing intro music for both games you had fantastic overworld music and uh, there wasn't a separate battle music for, for the two games because obviously it was all uh, overworld and you didn't really go into a battle right. um, other than with bosses um but yeah it was just one of those series that from a kid i was like wow this is this is brilliant i I want more of this please but i then made the fatal error of buying ease three uh or wanderers of ease Uh i think it's called yeah um on um what did i buy that on oh mega drive (laughs) okay and my god it was awful oh and i was like oh so this series isn't very good then (laughs) and i just left it at that and never thought about it again until it must have been 2004 when mm. E6 came out on the PS2. And that was when I huh. re just like, okay, you know what? Let's try this series one more time, you know, give it a go. And I played that and I was just, 
that the, the music again was just absolute god tier mm. <laughs> and i was like okay this this is my this is my jam again i love this um and yeah it was one of those weird things that i then had to then go as a psp owner to get the rest of the series which was kind of annoying for a while but now, now the e-series is on absolutely everything so it's yeah great. yeah but at the time it was like you can only buy <laughs> the psp games this is it this is your only way of playing ease. And I was like, oh, why? Why are you doing this to me? You know? But I like the PSP, so that's fine. But that was the main reason I owned one, was just for ease. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But this this latest one is probably the most accessible of yeah, the whole series. That's the impression um, I get from people. what people tell me. Yeah, and you've got two protagonists as well. Um, plus you've got party members, which you can switch between, so you don't have to play as Adol. You can play as any of the other characters that are, that are part of your party. Um, but they have made a lot of changes, which I there are some changes I didn't like. They've really um, sort of sexed up some of the characters. Um, so <laughs> some of the females, they're a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, Classic. dodgy. Yeah. yeah. And um, they've even sexed up one of the male characters. There's this guy called Dogie, who's a bit of a dope in some right. of the games, but he's like Adol's best friend. Yeah. And in this one, he is, he is like super hot. <laughs> He's yeah. got like this uh, little tiny vest on, his chest <laughs> is out. And you're like, what? This isn't you, Dogie. You're supposed to be really dopey and quite dumpy. What's going on? <laughs> Weird um, choice. Artistic yeah. uh, direction. But I mean, maybe, maybe in some way it's helped them break out from the, the niche that this, this genre was in. Maybe they thought that was just the right thing to get. More people interested. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, in, maybe some parts of their audience were were up for it. Oh, goodness knows. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's it's just it is what it is with with that with that sort of game, isn't it? You just gotta either accept it or or not play it. Really, it's, yeah. Um, it's not at least it's not as bad as some of the games like the Sangura um, games. You know the yeah the fighting. Yeah, no, oh, no, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> but Ease Eight though, the combat is absolutely. Yeah, I heard this. Right. So why is it? What's so cool about it? Because the way I feel is like I played Grandia 2 back in the late uh, 90s, no, early 2000s. And that was the first time that I played something in a JRPG that felt really dynamic and alive. And it feels to me like kind of every JRPG since then has taken something from Grandia. Is this in that mold or is it something different again? Yeah, this is different again. So this is um, so it's all it's action based, but it's think of something like the Tales of series, right. but super fast, and you don't really break into like a battle screen. So it's all on on the map as you're yeah. going along. The yeah. enemies come at you, and most fights can be over within a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's literally just trying to get the best hits impossible. Sometimes you'll realize again when you come up against some enemies that your normal attacks don't work. So then you have to try and figure out which combos to use to then bring them down. Mm. And again, but it doesn't take long to do. You know, you're, you're talking literally 10 seconds right. before you're finished through with an enemy. So you don't get most. ground down, pardon the pun. No, no, not at all. And um, the bosses, are they're, they're fun. They have like the traditional sort of three-stage boss fight. And yeah, it's, they, they, the combat is so fluid that you just, um, all you need to do is really, um, when you get your special moves enhanced, you then just assign them to um, one of the triggers and then a, 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 one of the face buttons that then goes against the trigger. Sorry, terrible way of explaining it. And it's just a way of then using your special moves as quickly as possible. You only have a small yeah. amount of the meter for it. Gotcha. But every time you use normal attacks, you then build up your special meter. So yeah. 
And because the fights are so quick, you're building up really quickly. So as soon as you get into the next fight, you can just use the special move straight away and they're gone. It's But it's it's all about the the speed of the combat for me is why I like this game so much. Because it means there is such a big overworld as well that you can go off and explore and try and get as many um, loot drops and things as possible. Right. But... Sort of Xenoblade Chronicles-esque open world? Is it that kind of level of... Yeah. Yeah, it kind of, this one is, yeah. But it's sort of, yeah. because it was made with the Vita in mind, Right, it's sort of smaller. So you have the yeah. sort of window box, if you know. You, you go on to the next screen, and it looks like a big open world. And yeah. you're like, okay, I can go around here. But you have to be sort of pushed off into the next area because the Vita wasn't able to it's do interesting. Like a massive world. I'm playing Final Fantasy XII for the podcast at the moment. I played a tiny bit back in mid 2000s when it came out but there sounds like there's some similarities with that as well in yeah the, that would be it yeah the sense that the this was the the final fantasy where the combat just took place as you were walking through it just happened live there was no transition screen uh to a point where you're all standing statically and exactly it's got those sort of monster hunter-esque sort of linked open worlds where there's um yeah like paths between sections of open world kind of thing yeah, that's sounds exactly like this one. Yeah, quite yeah. cool. Uh, so, forgive my ignorance. Is the East series uh, a continuing saga? I have a feeling I've asked an East fan this before. Is it actually a, a story that goes on from one kind of episode to the next? Not really. No. So no. you do have, um, apart from one game, which is uh, the origin story. Yeah. Um, the main character is Adel Kristen the whole time, but it's all sort of done as a narration. So think of you know things like um, the opening of like The Hobbit or something where you hear the narration yeah, yeah. of the main character. Mm-hmm. You're hearing old Adol recounting his stories. Oh, nice! Um, and then it sort of moves on like that. And it, so they're all separate. None of them really follow any of. Them. Some of them are set in the same lands, but that's pretty much as far as any continuation goes. Really, ah, that's interesting. So this pick of yours for this sound of play, Sunshine Coastline, that evokes a certain kind of vibe is is that the vibe that we're going to get from the tune yes yeah but this was the thing when i was picking my songs the other day the sun was out and i was thinking oh my god the sun i need to think of something that's going to fit this how i'm feeling right now oh, and nice. um i was like yeah it's got to be sunshine uh, sunshine coastline from ease eight because it's got a really you know the sort of old old school sort of butt rock <laughs> from japan um but it's really joyful. It really invokes a lot of summer memories as well. You sort of you could listen to it quite happily uh, as a as a standalone track and think of summer, you know. Or if you're driving around, you could sort of think, "Oh, this is a nice tune to drive and like, have the windows open." Or if you're lucky enough, your roof down. I don't have that luxury, but yeah, I'm sure some people do. <laughs> Maybe so. By the time this show comes out, we're recording on Sunday, the 16th of June. Summer hasn't really arrived in the UK. Let's be honest. Maybe by Wednesday, uh, wherever you are, uh, you can enjoy this with some actual sunshine.
There we go. Hayato Sonoda and or Takahiro Unisuga. It's an unusual name. Uh, from Nihon Falcom's East 8. Lacrimosa of Dana. Uh, thanks to Chris for picking that one. We got another chip tune coming up. Another uh, modern chip tune, but in the style of a vintage chip tune. This is a request from Zeno or Zeno from the forum. I was inspired to include this one because we finally seen some meaningful footage of the main bloodstained game. This tune comes from the precursor to that, which was the I think it was like a was it it was a Kickstarter uh, stretch goal that they were making. Igarashi and Co. wanted to make this new Symphony of the Night kind of spiritual successor without the Castlevania license because it's not Konami. And if they got enough money, they were going to make this NES style precursor, which they did. And it actually went down very well. Came out on. It's really good. Yeah. Got given away with Games with Gold a few months ago as well. So, um, yeah. And a load of great tunes by Michiro Yamane. Michiru Yamane, I should say, uh, including this one from stage eight which is called curse the moon
Curse the Moon, from Curse of the Moon to Bloodstained prequel, I guess we can call it. I don't actually know if it's set before or after the thing. I think it thing. is set before, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Such a good idea. Uh, I don't know if you have you managed to see any of the footage from E3 of the of the the full game, the Bloodstained game. Yeah, it looks it looks really good now. It didn't look very good a few months ago. I remember yeah. seeing a trailer for it, thinking, "Oh God, why, yeah. why did I back that?" <laughs> uh, oh, you're a backer. Okay, so yeah. you've got a vested, especially vested interest. I didn't actually back this one, but I think um, we're in a strange time, aren't we? With uh, with crowdfunded games, uh, it's been um what should we say? It's been a mixed bag over the years, hasn't it? We've had, obviously, uh, the Mega Man one. Oh, uh, Mighty Number no. 9. Mighty Number no. 9. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had about that. Yeah. Okay. We had Broken Age, which um, which had its problems and ended up being half of a good game. Yeah. Uh, and we've had Star Citizen, which is a in development, isn't it? ongoing cash cow of billions <laughs> and billions of dollars. Very, very strange situations. Um, Shenmue Elite 3. Dangerous as well, wasn't it? As well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's done pretty well. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's a, it's a rocky road, shall we say. But hopefully this one is going to, yeah, going to meet the expectations of the fans. And yeah, I was, I was pleasantly uh, encouraged by the footage that I saw came out of the, uh, come out of the show recently. Yeah. The combat looks really fast again. Because mm. I few months ago when i saw it it didn't look very fast and the right. animations looked a bit off and i was like oh no i don't know how this mm. is because it's the sort of 3d um 2.5d yes. graphics isn't it yeah and sometimes the the animation on those just never looks as good as the 2d but yeah now this latest footage actually looks really close to something like simply mm. the night so i'm really really impressed now but yeah yeah uh, though I was worried a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's probably still best to keep a slightly, uh, slightly cynical eye on it, just in case yeah. you don't want to be massively crushed and disappointed. We don't know what's going on at the moment with Konami. Obviously, mostly not good things. People are, uh, are won't to uh, mainly slag them off. But we've actually had some, we've had some signs of life from Konami recently with some really excellent compilations uh the the castlevania and contra collections are both absolutely superb i think um they just need to add the japanese options in which apparently they're going to do to have the japanese roms but the emulation is spot on and my hope is we were talking obviously about um east there on the pc engine before konami are doing a turbo graphics and a pc engine mini um which is odd in itself because it's not a, it wasn't a konami console do we know if they're working with M2 as Sega are with the Mega Drive Mini? They haven't announced it, but it does look like it is M2 handling it. I hope from, so. Yeah, so I'm hoping it is because I mean, they must be because they did get M2 to do the um, Castlevania and Contra collections, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It would uh, only make sense. And it certainly would. They're, the they're... Mega Drive one looks incredible. Yes, it's an amazing selection of games. Uh, John Linneman, who we mentioned earlier as well from Digital Foundry, has had a hands-on with the Mega Drive Mini. He seems to be suitably impressed. So, uh, yeah, they've they've put 42 games on it now, 40 plus two bonus games. That's 42 yeah. games. Um, <laughs> but the most exciting for me is now, obviously, one can play these things for emulation. But I got a SNES Mini from my mum last year, and I love it. It's just so great. Uh, it's got a lovely... CRT filter on it and it just the controllers are just perfect. So I think there is something just 
above and beyond playing regular computer-based emulation with these minis. It just adds a little, a little something. Yeah, I agree. Because my son, um, my seven-year-old, he's really gotten into um, Super Nintendo via oh, the nice. Mini. Yeah, and yeah, he he just wears down about how good Super Mario World is. Oh, he's that's brilliant. Just, yeah, he's just like, oh wow, Super Mario World. Is there a better game? There's something like, I don't. Well, probably Possibly. not. Possibly you know? not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get used to it. There's, it's a high bar. Um, yeah. Now that's interesting. I was I was playing. I've been playing some um, Mario 3D World with my niece, which obviously she's now ten. That came out seven, six, seven years ago. So she was a little kid when that came out, but she doesn't think of it as being old or retro or anything like that but she when we were playing odyssey together she was saying about the 2d bits in that that she wasn't keen on quotes old school as she called it um oh. but uh i think she may have come around on that a bit since then it is interesting like i don't have kids but it is interesting seeing uh youthful young attitudes to to classic games uh we talked recently about having visited arcade club in berry i don't know if you've been chris no, I've not been so. Well, well worth a visit. Uh, but there were some kids there, you know, quite young, maybe eight, nine, ten, eleven year old kids playing on the all those vintage cabinets all day. They weren't laughing at them; they were just playing them. You know, they were. It wasn't like eh, these graphics are rubbish. We'd probably been more like that back in the day. Um, yeah. Like I remember taking taking the Mick out of Frogger in like the mid eighties because. Frogger was so simple and retro. It was like, oh, look at Frogger. All you do is move a frog across a road with a joystick. And, um, you know, it's not like Nemesis or, you know, whatever. It's uh, Things have changed. <laughs> yeah, that's the Because my son, um, like I say, he's really into, into um, games. But the other, when was it? About th- two, three weeks ago, I said, you know, what do you want to read tonight? So I always read a book to him before bed. Oh, and nice. uh, he grabbed my N64 anthology book. And was like, can we read this? All right. Like, yeah. Okay, okay, we can read it. So I started reading. You know. Yeah. So the Nintendo sixty four was originally designed by. Yeah. So I came through the history of it. Um, wow. And then I left it with him. And in the morning, you know, he woke up and came through with the book and was like, I didn't break any of the pages. I promise. I was like, okay. Cool. He was nice. like, however, I really want to play Banjo Kazooie. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, really? He was like, yeah, it looks really good. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and he's like, plus that Beetle Adventure Racing sounds fun. I was like, you know what? You've picked two really good games straight away there. Um, and sure. he now wants to try and collect the N64 with me as like oh, a thing wow. that we're going to do together. That's awesome. And I was like, that's so good. Because I was only thinking about it the, a few weeks ago as so well. I was thinking, oh, man, it'd be really good to get back into N64 again. And uh, yeah, now my son's like, oh, we should we should like collect together, buy all the games. I'm like, that is amazing. Uh, you have to explain the difference to him between PAL and NTSC versions. I know. I can't wait to have that conversation. But listen, son, that's a PAL version. We need to put that back. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you can, uh, of course, uh, you can now play thanks to the the final update for now, at least on Xbox. Uh, they've put all the rare replay games in 4K on Xbox have, One X. Yeah. yeah. So Banjo Kazooie yeah. never looked shinier, <laughs> never looked more crisp and high res uh, so that's another way of playing but yes there is definitely something about uh, playing on the original hardware with all its fog and uh, frame rate fun <laughs> can't wait to get superman 64 it's gonna be amazing <laughs> yeah it's gonna blow his mind <laughs> uh yeah that's like the other end from super mario world pretty much yeah <laughs> 
Now, for our final three tracks, we're not introducing them all in one go, but uh, there's a little theme running through here. We're starting in 1996 with a Namco piece. This is one of my all-time favourites as well, and we're going to play the whole uh, song version as well as because uh, on the on the game you only get like half of this. We're going to play the yeah. whole song. Uh, so yeah, your memories, please, of booting up Soul Edge on the PS1 or Soul Blade if if you're in the UK. Yeah, I sadly was playing Soul Blade um, mm-hmm. as I was very ignorant to the the fact that I had a terrible version of the game. <laughs> um, I did rectify that in 1998 by getting Soul Edge and awesome. the chips PlayStation. Um, but no, the this was the game that um, I rented on a Friday night because uh, my friends and I were like, oh, what should we do tonight? And I was like, we can go down to Blockbuster and see what they've got, get a movie out. And one of my friends was like, this is meant to be quite good. The Soul Blade, and I was like, okay, okay, cool. It's Namco, Tekken, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll get it, we'll take it home and play. And, um, yeah, we didn't really start playing it for ages because we just kept watching the intro, <laughs> um, for the because of the Edge of Soul song. So good, like the four of us were sitting there going, This is amazing, <laughs> this is like, a really great track. Um, but it's just like, like with um, like we're saying about these with the anime stuff, it's very anime intro, yeah, and. Again, I was just like, this is my secret anime nerd. I was trying to hide from my friends as well. I was like, you don't need to know about this. <laughs> you should just know me as Chris who loves football. And um, But yeah, they were like, oh, wow, I can see why you like those movies now. And I was like, oh, no, you know. Um, <laughs> you know I'm an anime fan. Um, but yeah, it was, just, it was just one of those things that really, I wasn't expecting it at all. I was expecting an opening of some sort because of yes. that, the openings to... Um, Right. The Tekken series, you know, we always had like the um, elaborate CGI intros that were yeah. fantastic for their time. Yeah, they were. Um, but then for Solar, Soul Blade, it was just on a whole other level. Everything looked like at the time I thought Toy Story looked like, you know, yeah. that sort of that sort of yeah. level. I was like, wow, this looks as good as the movies, and it sounds even better. But um, yeah, and the, obviously the game is fantastic. It was mm. one of the first games I played with uh, Ring Outs as well. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, yeah, other than Virtual Fighter, this was the, the first one that I played other than that series where, like, okay, you can get Ring Outs. And it was always fun when you were going down the river on, um, and yes. you, know, you could then. Amazing. It was, it was always that little bit of uh, hesitance at the end. You're both by the edge and you're like, oh no, if I miss he can just turn and get me and then I'm off and it's like, no. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's such a wonderful game. I'm glad the series is still alive. Yeah. Um, which is, which is not like the other last game I chose, but, um, yeah, <laughs> this one, ah, mm-hmm. oh, I, I just, I, I've always loved it. I'm really, really sad though, that they've never put that sort of intro into the series again, which that is, yeah, they always have like a CGI opening, but it's not like this one. No, no, it's 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 true. Even though the CG has got more and more expensive, somehow this one was the punchiest and it had the best sort of choreography and the the whole yeah connection to the music seemed to be it just yeah, it was it like a little works, pop video. It? Yeah. yeah, it's like every single bit. It's like a bit where a kick goes off and it's like because of there's a note that's being hit really mm. hard. You're like, yes, this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, let's enjoy it all over again. We can see the visuals in our mind as we listen to Benten Maru performed by Susie Kim with The Edge of Soul.
from Soul Edge and Soul Blade 1996, depending where you were. You might have had nunchucks, or if you're in the UK, you had weird twisty barfing uh, instead of nunchucks because they were banned at this point. Uh, that changed at some stage, and we've got all kinds of nunchucks in games again now. We had them before, we had them after. There was just a weird period where nunchucks and other ninja-like accoutrements were not permitted. Oh, we've got our hero turtles, and we were happy. <laughs> oh, of course, hero turtles, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so the middle section of our Namco trilogy to uh, round out this sound of play is a request from Follow My Ruin from the Kano Rinse Forum, who says, I could have chosen any track from the Tekken 3 OST as they're all outstanding. Also, how cool is King? So yeah, this is King Stage from Tekken 3, 1997.
by Nobuyoshi Sano, Keiichi Okabe, Yu Miyake, Minamo Takahashi, and or Hiroyuki Kawada, who all worked on Namco's Tekken 3 soundtrack. So, Chris, you mentioned there, uh, obviously, you had a great time with Soul Edge. You mentioned the Tekken games as well. Uh, Tekken 3, again, another one where the series is still going. Tekken 7 is pretty damn cool, but I don't think there'll ever be a scene like... It will never feel as kind of important as it did when Tekken 2 and 3 came out. Those were so massive, weren't they, at the time? Yeah, Tekken 3 was the reason I got my PS1 chipped. Right, yes, yes. Just because I was like, because I, that was at the point where people had said, do not buy the PAL version, it yeah. is not the same game. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get mine chipped. <clears throat> got it chipped, because I played the demo um, that came with uh, official PlayStation magazine. Yes. Um over and over again and i really enjoyed it and i yeah. was like oh this is great but then once i got the full game from america feel the difference god it was it was it was like a different game yeah. it was like it was like playing you know back in the day you'd have a different mega drive and super nintendo version of games it was like yeah. that it was that mm. pronounced um and yeah but tekken 3 was just it's hard to think of a beat-em-up being that big you know and just thinking how much everyone was looking forward to it you know, yeah. Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat 2, and then this were like the real big fighting game launches that I remember. Yeah, um, proper huge launches, midnight openings yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. And I know loads of people who went to the midnight launches for, um, where'd they go, Virgin Store in London mm. um, to go there because apparently they were, you know, they were doing them. Um, if you were the X amount of customer, you'd get a PlayStation and a Tekken 3, but they didn't get them. So. But... Um, yeah, it was just, it was absolutely huge and, you know, it did incredibly well with critics. Yeah. Which, again, you know, fighting games are kind of on their way out at that point. It was probably the last real big one before the craze ended. Because, mm. I mean, it, the, the crest was sort of, you know, Street Fighter 2, that wave, that was the start of the wave. Then we came through with Mortal Kombat, Virtual Fighter Tekken, and mm. then Tekken 3 was sort of the absolute crest of the wave. It's yeah, sort of been probably true. downhill since then. I don't remember, you know, maybe Street Fighter 4 was the last time that there was a lot of hype behind a fighting game. Yeah, I think things have kind of picked up now. But as with all genres, every kind of genre now has its own community and own, apart from some of the biggest, most kind of <clears throat> uh, yeah. mainstream titles, every you, you'll find a passionate group about for, for every uh, every kind of genre and subgenre. So, you know, even, you know, shoot 'em ups are still cu- 2D shoot 'em ups that is still coming out. And there's a big, big old fighting game community. And, you know, you can make a living at it if you're good enough and stuff. But in terms of the mainstream, I don't think there'll ever be. Yeah. Uh, it did. It, you're right. It did re peak with Street Fighter 4 again. But then inevitably, people played it and went, oh, God, actually, this is really complicated and difficult and drifted away again. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, uh, I still, I keep, I maintain a large collection of massively underplayed fighters that I <laughs> really yeah, enjoy. me too. So, uh, oh, fighting game, I'll buy it and then like, yeah. play it for like five minutes and I'll find, probably play it again. But. Find some friends. The trouble is having, not having, especially as you get older, you've got people who are, for some reason, they don't want to spend all weekend just playing, you know, 2D fighting games with you or whatever. It's, it's weird, <laughs> weird and annoying. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe if like yourself, you've got your own responsibilities. But um, uh, I dream of I dream of a scenario where everyone just hangs out and plays video games forever, and uh, responsibilities be damned. 
Of course, you can play the PAL version of uh, Tekken 3 on your, your PlayStation Mini now if you want, even if you're in America, because that's what they did. Wasn't that amazing? How did they do that? I just don't understand why they would put the PAL version upon Americans. I mean, it's... There was some, 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 some reason, I believe, because it's a mixture that, that the, the games that come out of the box with that PlayStation Mini were a mixture of PAL and NTSC, about half and half, or maybe even slightly more PAL. Um, but yeah, I don't know what, I, I don't know if they've actually sort of, yeah, admitted um, to, to what the issue was. I believe you can, you can um, flash that thing and make it, turn it into a little emulation box. Yeah, I've got mine pretty much chocker full of all the ah, okay. essential playstation games right and replaced second three with the ntsc version. oh brilliant okay that was yes. that was job number one nice so that know. that's is that's not difficult to do then no 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 it's really easy you just need the only problem is is trying to find a compatible um usb drive oh yeah like i heard sticks. something about this yeah people were yeah. saying it's only certain devices will work yeah and then they so because of that happening obviously everyone just just ascended upon Amazon right. and took all the compatible ones. It took a while for them to come back into stock. Okay. So, yeah, so I didn't get one um, until about in March, a good few months right. after the launch. So. I didn't get a PlayStation Mini because I read about it, but I know that you they, they've they've plummeted in price because the reception was, was so negative, but would you actually recommend it as a little mini ps1 emulation box my 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 last remaining 1997 chipped playstation has pretty much died now i was recently trying to play ape escape for the show and it died on me so um, is that what is that a good way of playing ps1 games would you say yeah i think so i mean the, the thing is you you can replace the internal emulator as well with yes. retroarch right and that's what i've done so now okay. that the internal emulator is the same as what you get on a raspberry pi uh-huh. It's it's basically now just a really cool Raspberry Pi looking box. Okay. Um, but the only problem is though, with you wouldn't be able to play Ape Escape properly because analogs, analogs. Yeah. <clears throat> and I haven't found a controller that works with it yet. I mean, I I have read that they've improved the emulation again, so okay. I, don't know, I probably should try and have another look at that. But at the time, I've not, so I've only got the the standard pads, which are yeah. quite awful actually much worse than i remember mm. um they're very small i didn't remember them being that small as well uh, at all but yeah you had smaller are. hands then uh, yeah that's the thing i i stopped growing at 14 so i was six foot two i was a giant at 14 okay. i haven't grown since then huh. so it's um uh, yeah it's very weird how yeah you're playing it out you're like, these did they were they different in japan were they smaller you know but no they are they are quite small because it feels like, like the wheels. same sign yeah apparently they've not shrunk yeah. Wagon wheels. Cream eggs. Same. It's, it's, all, it's all in the mind. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to believe that. I, <laughs> there was a conspiracy on wagon wheels, and I need to get to the bottom of it. And yeah. <laughs> We've gone down not only a retro gaming path, but a retro snacks path. Uh, but I suppose that was always likely to happen. Uh, remember, listeners, please venture over to our forum, canarince.com slash forum. We want your requests. You could also do it on Twitter, use the hashtag sound of play, or even our Facebook page. You can request your favourites. We'll continue to include a selection of those in each regular sound of play. Please subscribe and leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows from, wherever you get your media from. Listen to our other podcasts as well, though. 
Cane and Rinse comes out on Mondays. That's our deep dive review show. On Thursdays, it's Playwright, where Ryan and Ryan Q&H come up with all new ways to play. And on Fridays, Chris O'Regan interviews indie game developers in the Sausage Factory. Follow us on social media, the usual places, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And if you've enjoyed this show and you appreciate all the stuff that we produce, you can donate a dollar a month. It's like under 80p, under 0.9 euros. Patreon.com slash Cana Rinse. You get extra stuff, early shows, extended shows, and you help us keep on doing what we do. Now, before we hear about your last pick, I want to thank Chris for joining me on this Sound of Play. Thanks, thank Chris. Thank you very much for having me. It's been, it's been really good. And uh, also thanks to our community contributors. Please keep those requests coming. Any plugs, Chris, uh, for your own presence on the internet? Yeah, so um, yeah, one thing I would say, go listen to the Maximum Power Up podcast. Um, the most recent episodes were on the original Xbox, where we're celebrating that. Um, so if you like the Kane and Rinse one on Xbox, listen to ours as well. Yeah. Ours is, yeah it's, it's a bit different, so, um, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, we also endured the Super Mario Brothers movie and uh, went mm-hmm. through it beat by beat um, on a podcast, which we turned, which ended up, we enjoyed the movie in the end, which was really weird. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a mad fever dream. It's like, it's like, yeah, I, I watched an interesting documentary on how it all happened recently on YouTube. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a weird one. Um, it's weird, but it's, there's something about it that's, Kind of endearing as well. You know, yeah. um, I really like Bob Hoskins as Mario, yeah. for example. Um, sure. And yeah, it's there's little things in it that are really cool. There's like little nods as well, which you can pick up on. But it's one of those things that I, when I watched it when I was 14, I just immediately hated mm. because I was like, this is not my Mario. No. And now I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this. Even though it's a bad movie, I kind of like it. <laughs> it's good but, to have yeah, those so, things listen to that episode it's really really good um and yeah we've got a huge backlog of um magazines um of mm. you know, we've spoken to will overton who i consider quite a good friend now um yeah like i say we've got jazz rignall uh everyone really <laughs> i think um paul has covered absolutely everybody um so yeah do do give those a listen because we don't have a patreon sadly because we, we're not as popular <laughs> perhaps you're um, just more generous you know there's another way of looking at it uh, yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh you could get one in place in the future who knows uh no i mean it sounds like you've as, as i say um I, I feel utterly remiss in having not been keeping up with uh with this podcast because there's some stuff that i will absolutely love and um, but the good the good thing is a bit like our podcasts it doesn't really matter coming to them late because it's all about old stuff already. So you just listen when you, when you want to listen. Um, it's not a news based thing. So, uh, I can enjoy the catch up. Interesting. You mentioned Will Overton there. I, I asked Will to come on, uh, to do an interview special for Kane and Rince a while back. And he said, yes, absolutely straight away. Uh, but he was so kind of humble and, and, um, sort of like, I don't really think anyone would be interested in anything I had to say. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, he's- so, so but, so nice like, yes he's, clear. Oh, yeah but he does think that he does think oh why do people like my old work so much yeah you know and you're like because it's legendary yeah <laughs> for sure yeah oh well excellent um so what's the where people just need to google 
Oh, if you, yeah, if we're on, so if you can find us on Twitter or Facebook um, at Maximum Power Up, um, and then we're at MaximumPowerUp.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at ChrisSmithster.com because I have a really juvenile name for some reason. I don't know why I, cho- yeah. I chose that. But Chris Smith was taken, funnily enough. Um, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> popular name. Bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, your final selection to close the show. This is, uh, we've done 96 and 97 on PS1 in Namco terms, and this is from 98. Well, at least it was when it first came out in Japan. R4, a very popular soundtrack. Is this, uh, as for many people, it seems to be, and I guess this is another one where you would have um, immediately slapped the NTSC version on your PlayStation Mini. Absolutely. Uh, is this one of your favorite driving games of the era? Yeah, it probably still to this day is my favorite arcade racer. Um, yeah. Mostly just due to the soundtrack. Um, it's right. just the way the game is very cool. I, I hate to say, oh yeah, that's really cool. You know, there's a sound uh, trying to sound like an old man trying to. It totally sums it up though. Yeah, but yeah. it is such a cool game. It's like the handling is cool. You know, it's not just I've got to try and drive this car realistically around this track. It's I've got to try and drive this car and win this race and i'm going to do it by drifting and then getting into the uh, into the best position possible and then drift again around a corner with some really good music playing and it's all about taking the right lines as well in ridge racer type 4 much more so than the other games in the series okay it's yeah. about knowing when you when when the when the turns coming up is about knowing where your position is on the track early and going right okay it's a bit of a memory game um because there are some bits where you can sort of cut the corners a little bit as well on yeah. these tracks well real real races i know obviously this is anything but a realistic simulation but it's so true isn't it they one of the things that a proper motor racing driver or rider does is absolutely memorize the track yeah uh, yeah and yeah this is like that but with the fact that your cars feel uh, a bit like i don't know they're very light yeah (laughs) they do just drift and there is no resistance to that drifting whatsoever which is great and this track that i chose your vibe just i I remember hearing this i think it's the third race track from the third yeah i think it must be the third race Mm. and being previously blown away by the previous songs and then this one came on and i was like wow this is this is an incredible tune now and that was when i was like okay let's take this out turn this off put it in my cd player and then it's not that's it you can't put this cd into the cd player so oh. i was absolutely devastated um but then luckily my local um, import store had the cd the double cd soundtrack really yeah so oh. from Japan, how much did they sting you for that i think i paid like 80 quid for it wow so double what i paid for the game so yeah <laughs> worth but every penny worth though right worth yeah. every penny yeah it's one of the few video game soundtracks i still own as well but i can't rip it for some reason which is really annoying mm. yeah but mm. every time i try and rip it it always says corrupted data and i'm like oh, you're lying because it's fine on the cd i can listen to it huh. yeah <laughs> spotify is, is it on there yet no no this is this is the weird thing it's um one of these series that just been taken off you can find everything on youtube but yeah for some reason namco have, have got all their other stuff there's a there's a popular website that people use for video game music called kh shrines yes yes and they have like nearly every soundtrack except this one 
Uh, well, the whole Ridge Racer series, in fact. Mm. And you're like, well, why is that? Why aren't any of them there? <laughs> it's just bizarre. I mean, Maybe I, you can still buy extremely expensive CDs and vinyls in Japan, <clears> and there. Yeah, they did just release the vinyl, actually, didn't they? Of Ridge Racer Type Four. Uh, I should probably get that. That's, <laughs> yeah, I should buy. I should buy a boat. No, um, yeah, I should get. <laughs> Might not be eighty quid this time. No, hopefully not. <laughs> I hope I won't get stung. Uh, yeah. They saw me coming, I think. Twice over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, a lovely piece to play us out with. Thanks again for joining us, Chris. Uh, thank you very much. I've Come had a back great time again, again sometime. And as I say, well, perhaps we'll uh, if we uh, if we hit one of those games that you're particularly passionate about on the show, we'll try and get you on the panel as well if you're interested. Yeah, looking forward to listening to the Donkey Kong one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. This is your vibe by Asuka Sekai from Ridge Racer Type Four R Four. And we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. Mm-hmm.